But up next, we have uh, Mark McCord. Uh, Mark is the pastor of Gospel Center in uh, Montre. I don't know how to say that. You can correct me just now in Switzerland. And um, you can uh, uh, read about him uh, on our church planting um, page that we have. And I'm sure he might share a bit about him himself. But um, he's ministered in, 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 in South America, in Peru, in, in Switzerland, planted a church in Paris, planted a church in, um, uh, uh, in France, in Annecy. Uh, but what really blessed me is, uh, uh, is uh, how we got connected. Greg Moore, uh, uh, we were talking, I was talking with Greg Moore about the church planting conference and, and all of this. And he said, you know, he, he would really love me to connect with Mark McCord. You know, if I feel that he's, he, he would be, it would be helpful to have him as part of the, um, uh, the conference, uh, that would be great. But even just in passion and heart, you know, he felt like we would, we would connect well. And, and so I said, okay, cool. And you know, I sent Mark an email about the conference and said, you know, it'd be great to chat sometime. And, and um, honestly, I, I was doing it simply because, I mean, I didn't know him at all. I was doing it because I felt that um, it was the right thing to do. <laughs> yeah, Greg Moore said, so let's, let's do this. And, um, and uh, honestly, when we, when we met for the first time and we just had a chat over the phone, uh, this is the first time we're seeing each other face to face. We just had a chat on, on audio, but I was so blessed by his passion for the mission uh, and blessed by the experience and the love and and uh, it was just amazing and 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 uh, what really impressed me just from our um, I think we were an hour an hour and a half on the phone what really blessed me from that time was his passion hearing how he's he's done it all you know he's been on the street corners with guitars and you know he's been part of Wham and he's done this and he's done that and and it's 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 really just like it's, it shows a kingdom heart that that you want to just go for it. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to, to, to hearing what he has to say. And so uh, open up your hearts to receive and uh, let's welcome Mark. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Shane. Where is the virtual altar I need to come to after your message? Ah, ah. That That's was good. awesome. Man, I'm going to have to rewrite my sermon for tomorrow for sure. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Greg Moore, for this uh, con divine contact. And uh, I'm, I'm eternally grateful for uh, a revelation of Jesus and relationship with God and people. I got lots of notes. That was great. Super job, Shane. Thank you. Well, uh, as Shane said, my name is Mark McCord. I'm married to a Swiss lady, uh, Catherine. She is from Lausanne, Switzerland. And we met uh, on a ship in Canada for, it was like a mission ship, and we were building houses and had dentists and doctors and stuff like that. We went down to Mexico, and we got married two years later and went to Bible school together. Uh, you know, I've come to find out everything we learned at Bible school works, actually. We had to develop our own convictions at first, we were just kind of mimicking what we were taught. But then as we put it into practice and saw it come to pass, it happened. And we just this week, you know, 30 years later, we're still just thanking God for the opportunities he's put in front of us. And, you know, everything has worked. Um, you know, uh, many times people are kind of concerned about the logistics. You know, how is this going to work? And. Uh, we were required to get a bunch of money together before we left America. 
we traveled in an old station wagon and left Tulsa, Oklahoma, driving out to California and spoke in little mission churches in inner city who were feeding hot dogs for the homeless and stuff. And uh, by the time we got back to Miami, Florida, after three months of preaching all across America, we had $450 committed to us. And so we called the mission in Peru and they said, come on down. And uh, we did. And we just fell into a dream. Um, with just $450 a month. Uh, then we started a business exporting pullovers from Peru. God did it, really. Uh, God did it. Use my wife more than me. I just carried some bags and stuff. But uh, all the logistics happened, and my kids are so blessed now. And throughout the journey, they have been so blessed. And so I just want to encourage you, if you are considering planning a church, you don't know how or where it's all going to come from. Well, we didn't either, but it did and it still is coming. Uh, if I would have stayed in America and lived the American dream, I would have worked 20, 30 years and I still could not have provided for my kids' education, for housing, all that stuff, as well as God has done it. And it's been a huge apprenticeship, and it doesn't mean I've learned it because um, it's something we have to check and see if we are still in the grace. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about that a little bit, grace and church planting. And I was kind of forced into it, if, if that's possible, can you force somebody into grace? Because I was trying my best to do it in my own strength. You know, we all have a lot of selfish ambition when we're 20 I think that's why they send young people out to as soldiers and the old guys stand back as generals. Uh, sometimes when you're younger, you don't think you just act and you learn and that's part of life. And so it's a good thing. But we, you know, I was part of this church in Dallas, Texas, and we had 9,000 seats. We had uh, 15,000 members. It was an amazing church. I loved it. I got really fed there. I grew there. And to me, it was just the greatest thing since sliced bread. When I left, uh, the churches fell apart and disappeared. Uh, maybe I should not have left. Huh? Maybe. <laughs> no, it's, but it, it was my model of a church. And so I was trying to reproduce that. And I was just 19 or 20. And they pumped me up so full of faith uh, that I bought a one-way ticket to Africa, to Northwest Africa in Ouagadougou in Burkina Faso. The country was Burkina Faso. The capital was Ouagadougou. And, you know, I was so full of the word of God. I just wanted to change the world. And so I went there and I started preaching my best. And I saw older missionaries come forward weeping and touched by God through the word of God. And, and I was uh, so prideful because I was just young and I was prideful of this. I, I preached such a good message. I still remember the message about why did you doubt like those waves coming in the ship? Jesus is in the boat with you, you know? And I was really thinking they did a good job. And the very next day uh, I got malaria and um, I lost, I was already skinny and I lost a, a lot of weight. I thought I was going to die. And I prayed and I said, God, what's what's the problem? And I really felt like the Lord telling me that he doesn't need hot shots in Africa. He said, I have enough hot shots. I've got Mobutu and all these other guys. Uh, and I need servants. 
in Africa. And so I said, okay. And, and God, once again, miraculously uh, helped me financially get out and, uh, yeah, recover from malaria and get back on track. And I think it's part of uh, developing your own convictions is, is, is learning yourself. But anyway, I, I managed to, to leave Africa, and that's when I got married. And then we went to Bible school together as a couple. And then we went to Peru. We started four churches since then, starting in 1992. We started a church in Lausanne, Switzerland. Um, and then we were there for about 15 years and kind of got a little bit uh, bored of the routine. And so I took off to Paris. I would take a train to Paris, a three and a half hour train every weekend and uh, started a church there in an amazing theater, a famous theater. It was, it was uh, incredible. I mean, it was, it was very difficult. And then you saw the grace of God kick in and like, you know, I rented this uh, 700 seat famous theater and we only had 10 people, you know, and I came home and told Kathy, I got a theater. And she said, well, how did you pay for it? I said, I wrote some checks, you know, and like, oh boy, we don't have the money. They were just caution checks, you know, just a, like, a, like a security deposit type thing. But God met all of them. And, you know, here we are, 15, 20 people in a, in a 700 seat auditorium. It, it's kind of small because it got four balconies and it was made for opera. You really almost didn't even need a sound system. But, uh, you know, God just kept pouring out his grace and teaching us. And uh, in Europe, it's different than church planting in America or Africa or anywhere else. Um, you're kind of forced to, to go with the grace of God. But Lausanne, uh, you know, I tried to get a job uh, alongside and I just could, they I wouldn't hire me anywhere in America. I get a job like that. So we just started this church and just enjoyed having children and just went to the lake and swam a lot as the church was growing. We were growing as a family. We had three kids and uh, we just fell into a dream. We had, you know, we baptized over 100 people who had never been to church before in their life. We had uh, cards uh, for visitors and it said, do you attend another church? And if they said yes, we threw the card away. We didn't even thank them for coming we didn't want people from other churches. We really went for non-Christians. I love that phrase that Shane just uh, said, reaching the lost and establishing the found. So that's kind of like what we were doing. Um, and so after about 15 years in Lausanne, we, we uh, started the church in Paris. And uh, I was there for seven years. They're both still going. The church in Lausanne is a huge church now. And the church in Paris is still going. And after seven years in Paris, uh, I had a friend call me up. I, I used to meet pastors every month, 12 pastors, Salvation Army, a Catholic priest, uh, the Protestant pastors. Uh, and and it, was, it was sometimes like pulling teeth. It wasn't fun. Uh, but I felt it was important to meet with the different pastors in town and not to pretend like, you know, I'm... Uh, a gutless wonder or something like that so i met with them and after 15 years uh this church in lausanne is going great and when we were in paris they kind of cut the branch we were standing on and cut ties with us and when they did god held us up 
and his brother called uh, from Oklahoma, this pastor. I hadn't, he was a youth pastor. And he called me up. He said, now I'm the senior pastor. And the first thing I want to do about this church is change missions. We want to give to missions. And so they started supporting us. And this other pastor called up and said, would you help us start another church in Annecy, France, which is near Geneva? And I said, well, we'd love to. And so we got a team together and I was speaking with the team and they said, uh, no, it was my wife first. My wife said, Mark, I don't want you to go to Annecy more than three Sundays a week because I was preaching in Paris and I catch a train in the morning and I catch a train. I preach at night in Annecy. And she said, you can't go there more than three Sundays um, a month. And I was angry at my wife. I can't start a church just three Sundays a month. And then I met with a team that we had put together and they said, you know, Mark, we don't want to see you down here more than twice a month. <laughs> and so then I knew right away, I'm not going to be planting a church in Annecy twice. How can you do that twice a month going to a place? And so this is what I'm trying to tell you about. It was kind of forced upon me to plant a church by grace because I wanted to be there every Sunday and Wednesday night, you know. And they're asking me to show up twice a month. And so this is all just planning. We were planning the Dickens. Uh, Shane is the appropriate word. We were planning the Dickens out of this thing. And uh, so when we were, I told uh, the, the, the gentleman who, who asked me to start the church, we're just going to take a break. And so my wife and I, we went up into the mountains. and. Uh, we were in a hotel, maybe, I don't know, 50 room hotel. And right across the hallway on the door was written um, uh, Julien and Sandra. And I said, I know Julien and Sandra. And so I knocked on the door and it was them. And they, they said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I don't know. What are you doing here? We're just taking a break. And because and, he was, I baptized him about 20 years ago. And we sent him off into France as a missionary. And I hadn't seen him since then, really. He was gone. And now he's back in Switzerland. We're all in this hotel by chance or by the providence of God. And we ate and he told us, well, listen, we've got six boys now. Uh, I have a big company. And my wife, she has a, she's a top model on Cosmopolitan, the front page of Cosmopolitan. And we're all happy, but we're moving. We're going to, we're in transition. And I said, well, I'm starting a church in Annecy. And he said, I'm coming. He gave his business to his partner, took his six kids out of school. It took him a year to do this. So I'm pastoring that church twice, twice a month. And he is busy in transition. And during that time we had children's church and he was captain Jack Sparrow or we captain Jack Foy, Capitaine Jack Lefoy. So he was uh, this pirate, faith pirate who would show up for children's church. And little by little, he was, we were introducing him to the church. And after a year, year and a half of pastoring in Annecy, my, well, I had my replacement before we even had our first Sunday. And so it was truly the grace of God. And that church is an amazing church right now. It's having a huge impact in many ways, but uh, it really started by the grace of God. And Montreux, this one we're at now, 
has been nothing but grace. It's a five-star hotel. We show up and they serve us drinks and they love us. And uh, we've had so much favor there um, that it's, it's hard to imagine doing church any other way, really. Uh, instead of us sweating, uh, letting God do the work. And so that's a little bit of my, uh, my experience with church planting and seeing people baptized and doing something new and fresh and letting it be a, a catalyst. It's been awesome. It's been incredible. Um, but right when we started those last two churches, I, you know, whenever I go back to the States, I don't go back much. I go back maybe two or three times a year and I only miss one Sunday. So I'm in America for one week. I preach one Sunday service and I don't know, maybe a Wednesday night or I've been to Karis in Colorado to share a little bit, a few years. And then I'm back home, back at it. But whenever I go back, I buy, I buy some books and I'll, you know, I won't read anything for six months. And then all of a sudden I get four or five books. And when I was back in the States one time, I bought four or five books. And I just want to encourage you if, if one of them speaks to you, but they all uh, had the same theme. I didn't buy them on purpose like this, but they all had the same theme, which was the grace of God in planting a church. And so I want to look at a few scriptures with you and we can start in Isaiah 66, verse one and two, because there's a huge need uh, in young, ambitious, on fire people. There's a huge need to realize that we can't do or build uh, anything for God that can replace a humble heart and people who in French tremble or respect the word of God. So that's the goal is respecting the word of God and, uh, you know, being humble, walking humbly with your God. And this amazing church I was part of in Dallas that I told you that's kind of fell apart. Uh, literally, they had, I don't know, multi-million uh, annual budget. And, uh, you know, John Bevere was there. I was, I was on staff with him and Joyce Myers, pastor. Rick Shelton, all these people, we were, we had 450 people on staff and these guys were part of it. And there's still wonderful ministries that came out of Andrew Walmack came and spoke at our church, at our church and Bible school and stuff We had TL Osborne. We had wonderful people come and it was really an, an awesome experience. And I'm glad I got to go there. But when you get away from uh, humility and you get away from uh, the word, like what Shane was talking about, hearing the word of God, this relationship with God and with people. And you get too busy. You got 11 secretaries and don't have time to hear, hear from God through people, even founding members. Uh, the pastor at that point could not even hear them. He had bodyguards. Uh, so um, anyway, in Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2, this is God speaking in Isaiah at the end of the book. Uh, and this is what Stephen quoted to the Jewish leaders when they were stiff necked and when they were resisting the Holy Spirit because they had more faith in the temple, this big building in Jerusalem than they did in God. And so this is God speaking. He said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? 
for my hand made all these things. Thus, all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one, I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So God is saying, this is the type of place I want to live. I want to live with somebody who's humble and who trembles at my word, who, who, who is excited to get the word of God into his heart. And that's a huge need. We got to realize that. And I'm not against big churches because I've been to big churches where it's humble and happy and joyful. And, and uh, the word of God is put into value more than um, politics or uh, indicators. You know, how many hamburgers did you sell this week? And how many new visitors and all these things, these indicators that some people go by. But uh, Isaiah 66, it brings out a huge need and, and shows us what is God's goal. Whether it's a small church or big church, whether it's a, whatever kind of work it is, it's supposed to lead us into humility and to respecting the word of God. You know, every culture wants a tower of Babel. You know, you, every church wants a steeple. I hear in Rome, you know, they let them build a mosque, but it can't, their, their crescent can't be higher than the cross of, uh, you know, in one of their cathedrals and stuff. And so everybody wants their Tower of Babel, including uh, evangelicals, including charismatic Christians. And it, as Shane mentioned, we were part of YWAM and the founder, Lauren Cunningham, his book, on his first book, I guess it was, Is It Really You, God? His testimony about how they received the ship. And I really encourage you to read it, but uh, they did. They got this 700 passenger ship and it came in and they received it. And all the people were clapping and they were excited. And Lauren Cunningham, in his own book, he said that he saw a vision of Jesus weeping. And he asked Jesus, why, why are you weeping, Lord? We just received the ship. And he said that Jesus told him that the people were worshiping the ship more than they're worshiping Jesus. And it goes back to the same thing of Isaiah 66 in Jerusalem. We're not any better than the Jewish leaders. It's, it's a human nature thing. We all want, you know, Paul, the whole second book of Corinthians Paul was defending his ministry because he he was a midwife. He was considered a midwife. And he said, these super apostles from Jerusalem, you know, they come, they'll slap you in the face and you'll take that from them. But you reject us. And we damn, we played with you on our knees and we took care of you like a bunch of babies and we loved you. And uh, so it's not strange. It's a human nature thing. It's in the church. It's in our. And so it comes back to me. I have to catch myself you know, often, what is my motivation? And am I going in the direction of humility? Uh, or am I doing this for selfish ambition? And so one of the books that I read, one of those four books that I found in the States, another one was uh, Finding the Cause Within You by Matthew Barnett. He's the founder of the Dream Centers all around the world, you know, and he started the first one in Los Angeles. And I haven't, followed that ministry too much since then but i read the book and uh it's just amazing because his grandfather had the largest church in america and then his dad had the largest assemblies of god church in america now it's his turn his first church was in los angeles and he said i look like a mormon i had a white shirt black tie and short hair and i was preaching to 30 
Asian people in the in the inner city of Los Angeles. And he said, after I preached for about a month, all the Asians left. I was by myself. And at 20, 20 to 24 years of age, he, he was developing ulcers. And he was just staying alone. Nobody was there. And he was crying out to God. And God said, I want you to get up and go outside and look in the park. And it was 10 o'clock at night. I said, no, no, Lord, I don't, I don't ever go outside at night. It's too dangerous. And uh, during the day, it's deserted, this park. But he said, okay. So he went out to look. And he said he went out to this park. And there was policemen. They had this guy on the ground. They're cuffing him and arresting him. And a helicopter's up in the sky with a light looking for other people. Uh, and this girl was pregnant, barefoot, and other people on drugs. And he said it was just like somebody was filming a movie. And he was looking around, and he was just overwhelmed by what he saw. He said he fell on the ground, and he cried out to God, all I wanted to do was build a church for you. And God answered him right there at this park. He said, if you will just love these people around you that you see here, then I will build a church. And so that's where we get the cart before the horse. The horse is supposed to go before uh, the cart. And if we love the people around us, God will build the church. And that's what grace is all about. Jesus said to the Pharisees so many times, I want mercy. I don't want sacrifice. Go find out what that means. And in church planting, I believe it has a lot to do with operating by the grace of God and not with our own sweat. Um, so he did build this church, Jesus. And in Los Angeles, the Dream Center, they had 24 hours round the clock church. It never shut. The church never shut. They had 250 ministries and they had 6,000 people in the church. And so after 10 years or 15 years, they're going to celebrate. So they're going to throw a big party and celebrate all the ministries, a celebration of life or a celebration of ministries and put them all up on the stage and see, celebrate what we did. And God told them, no, you're not. Now, this is like 15 years later. And he said, I want you to pray and fast. And then I'll show you what you're going to do at this party. And so the whole staff prayed and fasted for a week. And at the end, they all felt like God said to Matthew, I want you to dress up like a homeless person and live on the street for two days with no money. And so he did it. He went out and he went out at night and he slept on this cardboard box. And he said he was awakened at two in the morning. There's a huge rat sniffing on him. He jumped up and he heard gunshots and he saw, heard uh, women being beaten by their pimps and this and that. and and then at the end of two days, he said that the worst happened. The Lord asked him to go to the wealthier side of town and beg for money like a homeless person. Here he is. He's got beautiful daughters. He's got a home. And he's standing in a wealthy part of town asking for coins. And he said that was the worst part of the two days. Worse than anything, he felt so low. But what happened during these two days is that he renewed a vision. Why did he come here in the first place? And they adopted a whole new vision to eradicate this whole valley of drugs and poverty. And, and it just saved their church, really, from resting on their laurels or reaching out further and going, going further in, in the grace of God. It doesn't mean one church service a week. I mean, they're 24-7. They've got ministries, wheelchair ministries and gang ministries and Homeless, I mean, just you name it, they've got over 250, maybe 300 ministries now. And that book is called Finding the Cause Within You, and it's incredible. The other book I found, which is called Madness by Jossie 
Chaco, and he's an Indian man. He was born and raised in India, but he had a dream to become a multimillionaire. And so in order to do this, he moved to Australia and was educated. He said by the time he's 30, he wanted to be a multimillionaire. He was a Christian going to a big church like I was in part of in Dallas. And he was applying these biblical principles to become a multimillionaire. By the time he's 28, he's a millionaire and he's playing golf. And he says, I can't just chase that ball around until I'm 80. I've got to do something, you know, with this, with my life, with all this money. And so he said, I'm going to take these millions of dollars back to India and start a big church in India with millions of dollars. You can build a big church. He wanted to build a mega church like one he was part of. He wanted to shake India for Jesus. And so he went back to India with all his money and he started this church and it was a total failure. And so he asked Jesus, why? Why, uh, you know, I, all I wanted to do is build a church for you. And the Lord answered him and said, I never asked anybody to build a church for me. I told you, make disciples. And I would build a church. And the, the scripture that he quoted to Jossie, Jossie is spelled J-O-S-S-Y. Uh, Chaco is C-H-A-C-K-O. And the name of the book in English is called Madness. And um, so he quoted Jesus quoted to uh, Jossie, Matthew 16, uh, 18. And here it is, you know, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And here in the message Bible, it says, I will build a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And so that's some kind of energy that I don't have in my flesh. You know, if I build the church with my own sweat, it's going to cost me my wife. I'll have to divorce or my kids will get away from God or I'll lose my hair. I don't know. I'll lose my, I'll go bankrupt. But if Jesus is building the church and I'm the church, a leader in the church, then he's going to build me and I'm going to get stronger after 30 years of ministry. I'm not going to be ready to quit. I'm going to be ready to refire and, and go further uh, as a part of this church. So expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell can keep it out. Wow. That's awesome. And so what happened was he changed his strategy completely. And he says, okay, I'm not going to build a church. I'm going to make disciples. And so he started a Bible school to make disciples. And when you graduated from this Bible school, you were given a bicycle and a drum. And you were told to go to a town and beat a drum and, or wherever and ride your bike and go share the gospel with people. And they did, you know, and the amazing thing is, if you read this book, they had they started 15,000 churches in about 10 years. And this is by the grace of God, as opposed to with millions of dollars, a failure of the flesh. He's able to start 15,000 churches in northern India, not in the southern Christian part, in northern India. The book starts out with, you know, he has had, I think, 16 of his pastors uh, were killed. So uh, it's, it's, but it's a joyful thing. It's an amazing thing. And um, uh, where was I going with that? He, uh, yeah, he, he, he got 15,000 churches in 10 years. And like one of the stories that I read was this one man, when he graduated from that Bible school, he went to a hospital and he was praying with people. Uh, to be healed or saved. And this one lady got saved and healed. And she went 
she left the hospital and she went home and she called him up and said, could you come share with my friends the same thing you share with me, my family and friends? And he said, sure. And so he, he was just a Bible school student, the bicycle and a drum, I guess. And he went there and there were 25,000 people waiting for him. Only one Christian. And that was the lady. But she told everybody and he didn't have to rent sound equipment. He didn't have to rent the stadium. Uh, it was there. I mean, they were, they were that hungry. It was kind of like the Samaritan, the woman at the well type of thing happening in our modern day life. And so I believe that's what happens when we put the horse in front of the cart, when we put God's grace, when we put humility, when we put uh, respecting the word of God first above uh, a big building. That's not our goal. It could be a big building. It could be a hospital, you know, a small hospital, which leads to 25,000 hungry people in a town where there are zero Christians. So these, these couple of books were incredible. I read another one, which is called, I'm not a fan. I bought four books. One was called 180 degrees from a pastor in New York city in Manhattan, David Wilkerson's assistant pastor. I'm not affiliated. Don't even know these people at all. I just bought these books at random. I felt led to buy them 180 degrees. I think uh, by that pastor in, in New York and not a fan from a church in Louisville, Kentucky. I've never been to before. Just a pastor praying before Easter. And he said, God, he's praying. He said, God, give me a message that will make them all come back the week after Easter. And he said, my prayer was so lame that I was convicted of the Holy Spirit that I even prayed such a bad prayer. And instead of just trying to fill up this house, he said, I want to. Uh, start making disciples and he said what he felt because their church they have like thirty thousand people in the church it's like the fourth largest church in america and he said what we were making was spectators and fans of jesus like at a, a football field they look on the field and they see their 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 hero they know how much money he makes they know how many goals he scored they know his wife but they don't know him they can't call him up they're just a fan they're not in relationship and this pastor said i believe that's what we're doing is just making fans and i want to change that and i want to start making disciples and he got in a lot of trouble because some of those teenagers started tearing off their rock and roll posters off the walls and um you know the parents were getting angry because the kids were really getting saved and so uh i have so many other scriptures i want to share with you um especially a whole chapter. We don't have time to do it, but is this really that important? It's huge because the covenant that God made with David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, a whole chapter, in the beginning, you'll see one and two. David said, David is rich. He's sitting in a palace and he says, here I am in a palace and God, poor old God, he's in a tent or something. And David said, I'm going to build a house for God, right? And uh, so what happened was, Nathan, the prophet, said, God's with you. Do whatever's in your heart. And Nathan, the prophet, went home that night. This is 2 Samuel chapter 7. And God told Nathan, go back and tell David, you're just a shepherd boy. Who do you think you are? Have I ever asked anybody? Have I ever asked anybody to uh, build me a house before? And um, so David was humbled. And God said, I'm the one who's going to build a house for you. 
you're not going to build a house for me. And then the prayer that David prayed at the end is awesome. He said, it's your heart. It's your idea. And he lifts up his hands and he's kind of humbles himself. And he says, bless me and your servant's household forever. And this is the covenant of grace in the Old Testament that God made with David. It's a covenant based on God uh, building us. And I was just preaching last Sunday about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. We're saved by grace through faith, not by our works. That's any man should boast. And I skipped verse 9 and went straight to verse 10 because you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he created before the foundations of the earth. And so how can we be working for God, when we are God's work, we are his, in the Greek, his poem that he's writing. Um, he is writing a story through you and me. And it's more about following that story than like Shane was talking about copying other people or just doing line upon line, precept upon precept, which is a very bad scripture in the Old Testament. That's when the people of God would fall back because our life is meant to be from glory to glory, uh, not line upon line, precept upon precept. But the whole chapter 7 in 2 Samuel is huge. Um, Psalms 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, they labor in vain, or in the Hebrew, they labor in pride. And like I said to begin with, everybody wants a Tower of Babel. We're all comparing notes to see who has the most members. And it's almost sickening. Like uh, like Pastor Shane was talking about Greg Moore saying, I go to conferences and I feel that small when I compare myself to what other people are doing. And this is so human in every culture. I mean, in America, it starts in junior high school when you're in the showers. Uh, football players, the biggest man, he compares the size of his genitals or you know, and, and they think that's what makes you a man. And, and now we're no longer in junior high school, but we're in church conferences. Well, how many people are you running? How many people are in your church? So anyway, this is really the, the story that, uh, that I have experienced and is still going on. Um, it's an incredible apprenticeship, an incredible venture. You know, with Moses who built a house for God. Um, in Hebrews, it says Moses built a house as well. It was a different pattern. Uh, it's just a, it was just a pattern of, of the real house. But you know, Moses, after all those years, he didn't make it in the promised land because he got out of the grace of God and he got he struck the rock, you know, and he got back into the flesh. And there's many opportunities where we feel frustrated, you know, and and you know we think things should be better or going bigger, uh, but Really, you know, if we're having an influence, if I sense the presence of God, I will never despise the day of small beginnings because God, it is, that's what is it? The first scripture that my wife and I ever memorized was Philippians 2, 13. It is God who is at work within you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. He gives us the will to do it and he gives us the power to accomplish it. Anyway, it's not even Sunday and I'm already preaching. Um, I think I might have been going long enough. Uh, is Pastor Shane there? I'm here. Thank you, Mark. That was really um, amazing. Just uh, I was really enjoying just your story, your, your, your journey, because 
it really echoed what I was saying about, you know, walking with the Lord um, and the importance of hearing from him and uh, doing what he says. There's no cookie cutter uh, church plant, really. You know, yeah. there's no cookie cutter minister or anything like that. And um, you, you sent me on a goose chase with those books, but I managed to find them and put the links there for everyone. Awesome. Um, so uh, I highly recommend those books. Um, you know that what what you just said mm. about cookie cutter reminded me when we planted that church in Paris. The way we did mm. it was the for one of the first services we had a four meter wow. canvas, a canvas, and this lady was painting with her daughter. Her daughter on one end, and she on one end, and they both ended up right in the middle of the canvas, right when I finished my message, mm. and it was incredible. And we gave it away as a tract to the owner of that theater in Paris. He just stood there for an hour looking at it. Wow. And he was not a believer and he is now, but we That's gave awesome. him that painting. And the point I wanted to make was he, uh, my, the director at that time of these churches, he said, how much does that cost you? We want to do that in Amsterdam. And they want to <laughs> take a cookie cutter. And I said, you can't, you can't put a price on that painting because that woman who painted that thing, she came to our church She at six o'clock in the morning for prayer every morning for about two years. And that's where she came from. She got delivered from drugs at six o'clock in the morning at a prayer meeting. And they were the boringest meetings. They yeah. were not good prayer meetings, but it was changing lives and it was birthing our church. And so that lady, 15 years later, she comes to Paris. Mm. So how can you put a price tag on that? Or how can you put a cookie cutter? On that kind of thing because i'd like to say if you want to start a church just get your paintbrushes out and do some artwork but like you said it's not going to work no definitely definitely not and i mean there are definitely principles that you can learn from people who've gone before etc cetera, etc cetera, but uh you can't just try and copy everyone I, I had someone i was sitting with once and they were um really just uh, continuously asking like okay but how did you do this what did you do with this and and I, I picked up that they were like wanting to copy everything and i you know i had to say to them you know it doesn't work like that <laughs> it's it's helpful information and it's nice to learn and to 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 talk to people but you need to you need to know what god's saying to you about this um so that's really good anyone got a question uh you've got the q a button at the bottom of the zoom screen um, if you write on the chat section, then uh, I, it tends to get carried away and I don't see the questions. So if you put the questions on the Q&A button, then I can follow it easily. Uh, but on the chat section, you're welcome to write if something uh, stands out for you. And uh, Etienne from uh, Grace Life Tigerberg says, uh, stop comparing, just abide to Jesus and he'll bring the increase. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's really good. Someone else got a question. We're going to have some time of interaction now. So please um, uh, feel free to post your questions. Uh, Timothy and Sarah say thank you, Mark, for sharing and for the book recommendations. That's great. Thank you, guys. How, how long have you been in ministry, Mark? I uh, know I don't look it, but uh, probably 30 <laughs> years. <laughs> well, yeah, probably about 30 years. Uh, my, my dad planted churches so i grew up in this but at the age of 12 i walked away from it and went into sports and parties and all these other things and you know i'm i'm thankful for my parents teaching me sunday school and teaching me the the bible 
but when we started church we had no idea how to do it just from watching them and say so you do it yourself so and and what was the thing that you believe um brought longevity for you and your wife uh what was it well we put you know in our vows we put god in there we're going to seek god with all our heart and um i think making the family part of it like soccer my son likes to play soccer and mm. so i would not miss a match uh i would and we had we ended up having like 16 people from the soccer field come to our church um you know including the family um and making it fun our kids we never talked to them about the church until maybe they were 20 years old and they were asking questions about that first church where we had some trouble but the whole the whole time we never spoke about trouble at the church they they think everybody's an angel and still probably do <laughs> i think that is so, that is so so good uh um you know and because they, they're obviously learning from us um, and I mean, we've been very careful not to, 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 uh, to, to do that around our boys. They're what, uh, eight and six and probably listening in now. And it was really amazing because, uh, you know, um, the other day, my, my, my wife has just been saying, you know, so-and-so is going through a difficult time and you know, like just, just saying things like that, but not, not saying too much or being dramatic. And it was really amazing because, uh, one of them said, uh, why is it that everyone's going through a rough time at the moment? <laughs> so it's like, you know, what we, how we live, they're not listening to our preaching necessarily. They're, they're listening to like how we're living, how we're interacting with the church. And I think that that's vital. And I, I remember from our conversation when we met on the phone, um, just, just you had such a great uh, approach to ministry and family. Uh, uh, and such you, 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 you were talking about your kids and, and your family. And it was really, it, it blessed me. Uh, because I, you know, I think we both believe like in the importance of family with regards to this and not sacrificing your family on the altar of ministry, uh, but taking them with you and then showing them their value and their importance apart from it as well. Um, and there's a couple of questions uh, that have come up on family. Um, so one of them is, is, is what do you do to enable you to, to do family and ministry in a healthy balance? In a healthy balance. Um, well, you mentioned it right there to take them along with me. Um, I mean, I can't tell you the times we drove into Paris and we had the hamster, literally had the hamster, all my kids, and we jumped on the metro and, and we taken, I mean, we took the bird with us, you know, I mean, we really made it a family thing. They loved it. Uh, we always made the services to where kids we actually started our church with puppets i was jealous of pastor frog because everybody liked him more than me but <laughs> you know we we always made it uh, yeah. a family thing from the beginning um that our vision statement you know uh, a word of faith church no uh, yeah word of faith church for the whole family with a with a mission vision missionary vision and so from the beginning it was for the whole family mm. oh that's great um how do you involve children in a conversation that god has called you to move elsewhere you've done a lot of moving so how, how have you dealt with that and uh with your children well that's more of a question from my dad uh, because <laughs> we actually moved 20 times by the time i was 20 years of age mm. and so for me it was very sure. tough as a kid uh, 
I didn't like that part of it at all. That's maybe one of the reasons our family's still together. We haven't moved as a family. This is the only house my kids have ever known. I have traveled by train, plane, automobile type of thing. And uh, we did a lot of big travels in the car, got some little DVD players. And my kids, even to this day, now they're 20, the youngest is 22. They still love Faith Like Potatoes from South Africa. This a story of the, what's the guy's name? Angus Buchan. Yes. We saw that film and they would watch all these films. And we were not forcing them on them. And they could have watched, you know, Disney, whatever they want to watch. But they love these faith films, these mm. cheesy flywheel and courageous <laughs> and all these. My kids love these things. And I do too now. But uh, so we would watch those in the car and we'd, we'd have we'd have a blast. We got a lot oh, of spankings great. in the car, too. I believe in <laughs> spanking the kids, but they know they deserve it. <laughs> Um, um, does your wife minister with you and, and how does that work? You know, she has, it's, she, she always did the preteens and every Friday night she's with the preteens. So I, I can't complain that we don't go to the movies or stuff because she's working with the preteens and she did that for years. And, uh, but those preteens grow up and just mm -hmm. last year, Or two years ago, this one of them, she lives in Singapore now and her husband's from Lithuania and they trade oil and they want to get married. And she said, my husband's family's not believers, but I am still and I want you all to marry us, please meet us in Geneva. We went down there in a private jet and they fly us to Corsica and it's down there in the south part of the island. And I mean, people from all around the world, the first people we met were Palestinians with a brand new baby. And we're talking the gospel to these people from from till midnight. And they're all just like, wow. And we had we were able to talk to people from it was a dream for any any evangelist or missionary. Um, I mean, people from everywhere, Ghana and from Palestine and from uh, Lithuania, just on and on and on. Mm. And that's because of preteens, you know, and you that's not the motive because my wife was doing that for years. But not in order to go to Corsica on a private jet. It's just mm -hmm. um, putting value. And she did children's work at, at the church by grace because she would tell people come up and call up every Saturday night. Call up, I don't think I can make it tomorrow. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm sitting there saying, don't worry about it. See, I want to get in the works of the flesh, but mm -hmm. she said, don't worry about it. If you come, you'd be taking the place of somebody else. And sure enough, God would send somebody new that loves working with kids. And, and we had this one, this was with Grace. I was teaching at Grace Bible School uh, from Paris. And this one gentleman in our church in Paris, he's a new believer. He's got a ponytail. He's, he's from Sicily. And I'm talking about baptism. He said, I want to get baptized, but only in Ireland. And I said, oh, no. In my head, I'm thinking, this, this guy is crazy. But uh, so I. That same week, um, the, the director of Karis in Ireland calls me up and asks me if I could speak in Ireland. I said, well, if I could bring Rosario with me, we bring Rosario up there and he gets baptized. And the, come to find out, he studied in Ireland um, graphics, 3D graphics, and he draws for Disneyland. And hmm. so he wants to work in, with our children's church. I tried the cookie cutter thing. I said, hey, can you paint a picture for me while I'm preaching? 
like that other lady in my own church. And he said, well, I, I like working with children. And so God is just, he's been faithful if we go with the grace and mm-hmm. try to use people, but uh, see them built up and edified as well. Amen. What's the most important advice? When I read this question at first, I read, what's the most important advice that you would give to a church painter? And then I read, <laughs> because of the painting, and then I realized it says planter. So <laughs> you're not for the painter necessarily that you have, but the, the planters. What would you, what's the most important advice? Well, you know, when I was in Bible school, they, I had a class on church building. And one of the assignments was, draw just write on a piece of paper one page nothing more just write how would you start a church mm. and so i wrote it down i said i get a guitar i go rent a room in a pizzeria or something like this and mm. sing and preach my guts out and uh, but i had specific stuff on there and <clears throat> i found that paper like five years after we started our first church and we did more or less word for word what i wrote down and each church was different that we started. It was different. And I think what you said in the last session was so key that it's going to be you. It's going to be what God speaks to you and just write it on a piece of paper. How would you start a church? Because nobody told me how to do it. I, haven't, I had some ideas. I heard some examples. But if you mm. write it down and then God will use it. Mm. That's good. Let me just see the other questions here quickly. How do you decide what you need your, how do you decide what need you're ministering to in your community? Like the guy who was just called to love the people in his community. How do you decide what need? You know, it's, it's more difficult. It's more difficult here in Europe because Mm. uh, there aren't any needs really physical needs uh, the government if you want some heroin they'll give it to you for free so i mean <laughs> you know that i've said it since we came here that mm. um um it's like the prodigal son with no famine here in europe mm. so they never come to their senses but one thing i did see on uh, the news this uh sociologist and a pastor had done a huge study and they found out that the only thing that was important to swiss or their family. They don't care about politics. They don't care about church. And so that's when we started an Easter egg hunt. I went to Germany. I bought 20,000 eggs. and put oh. it in my, I took all the seats out of my car and I filled it up. I was on the Autobahn going as fast as if I would have wrecked, I would have broke the world record for the largest omelet ever. <laughs> 20,000 eggs. And I, we had this Easter egg hunt by the lake. And we had this guy singing and Bob Dylan knocking on heaven's door. And every kid, if you wanted to get the kinder, we had a thousand kinder eggs with toys inside. You got to sit and listen to the puppets. And so uh, they were preaching the gospel, these puppets, simple gospel. And the parents were listening and we didn't know, but the mayor of the town was there. And that's when we really broke in. That was our biggest business card broke into the community oh. was by meeting the needs of the people, which was family. Mm. Uh, and then another one is the alpha course for couples, which is called he and her. I don't know in English. Elle et lui. And that one 
was huge. Uh, it even went secular. They were, it was on television. People are concerned about their relationship, their marriages. So if we reach out to a need in the community and in Europe, it's harder. You, you can't get a shoebox and fill it with toys and hand it around the neighborhood because the kids around here don't need anything. Mm. Uh, so it's harder to find a need, but we got to be open and listen to that. That's good. And then lastly, why, um, uh, you say, if someone asks, says, uh, you, you say that your church, the churches you planted are awesome. Uh, why? So, so what would make them uh, awesome churches? What would make them awesome? Well, uh, I'm thinking of a South African couple who was with us in Paris and then they went. That to would Saudi make them awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then they went to Saudi Arabia and for 10 years they were there. They just came back through here to see us after that. And another couple, he was a farmer in Nebraska mm -hmm. and he's on his tractor and God told him, I want you to quit farming and become a doctor. So he goes to medical school and he becomes a surgeon. He, he comes to our church in Paris, but his kids, seven kids don't like church, but they love our church. And so now they're in Niger, mm -hmm. not Nigeria, Niger. There's mm -hmm. one doctor for every 30,000 inhabitants and that's what makes the church awesome to me is not it can be a big church but you know people who want to reach out um i mean we have people on welfare you know i just went yesterday and took a pack of cigarettes to a guy in a mental institution and to be honest with you he's an awesome guy he prays uh prayers uh, with people i'll never meet you know mm -hmm. so i can talk to you about big shots we got a skateboarder trying out for the Olympics. I can talk to you about the positive things, but I think it's just all these individuals and the opportunities that God has given us with little. We started a church. Well, we're helping a man start a church in Bamako in Mali right now. And our church could give like $2,000 and that bought them property in Mali. Mm. It wouldn't buy you squat here in Switzerland. It wouldn't buy you a parking spot. Um, but for them, it was huge. And so that scripture in Proverbs about little with the righteous is much. You know, I don't think we have to have millions of dollars to go to India to start a church. I think if we just put uh, the grace of God first, he's going to open the doors that we need to walk through. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Mark, for your time and for the investments. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time and um I think you're the only other speaker on the same time zone <laughs> so it's really uh wonderful to uh, uh talk the same language when it's uh 4 p.m or 5 p.m yeah <laughs> but, well, hey uh, thank you so really much it was a big privilege y'all have pumped me up man thank you no that's great so thank you so much that is uh mark mccord um from uh switzerland and uh been a really uh, valuable time of just hearing from him about his experience in uh, church planting and in ministry and the balancing family in there and everything and so thank you mark um yeah. really thank you guys it. thank you nice to meet y'all and we'll see you another time amen awesome